Hello and welcome to another episode of The Lowdown. Today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by the Global Ambassador of Kanifa, Jason Heaton, to discuss all things about the organisation and his role within it. Jason, welcome to the show. Good morning, Colin. Thanks for having me on. Very much uh, delighted to be uh, playing a part in this fantastic podcast series that you've been putting together. Jason, it's my absolute pleasure. Um, I suppose for those listening who might not be aware, what exactly is CANIFA? It's the Confederation of Independent Football Associations. Uh, it's been running for around seven, I think we're into the eighth year now. And it represents uh, people above all, uh, their culture and their heritage. Uh, but quite often uh, peoples have um, uh, become a sort of dysphoria of the land, uh, de facto nations, uh, nations unrepresented by FIFA. And, um, um, you know, people coming out, sometimes you know you've got people coming out of civil wars and uh, just putting themselves in a situation where they want to represent themselves on, a, on an international stage. And if you had to say, if there was one overarching goal or mission of the organisation, Jason, what would that be? Represent people. And of course, in your previous role, General Secretary of Kenefa, I know yeah. you've since yeah. left that position now, Jason, for the role yes. of Global Ambassador. Could you talk us yeah. through that process and the new incumbent? How, what, how I became General Secretary, how, how yeah. I passed it yeah. uh, the, the Actually, about a year ago, um, the organisation went through a transitional period. Uh, it been going for about six or seven years. Uh, there was a few people sort of ready to move on in their own careers, uh, one of them being the General Secretary. I've been heavily involved in the organisation since uh, 2017. I was a, a main organiser for what was to become the uh, 2018 World Cup in London. Uh, that's how I predominantly got involved. And uh, throughout that process, I became global business director and, and helped to develop a, a member, which is Kern FA, uh, an international football team for Cornwall. And... As we came into uh, 2020, like I say, it's a transitional time, people moving on, and the position for General Secretary came available. And I, and I just thought, well, actually, the, the, North, the World Cup that was going to be hosted in North Macedonia had been postponed. And um, the energy that had been generated through getting Kernel FA um, qualified for that World Cup, and you know we qualified first in Europe. Was a there was a there was a, there was just an immense momentum there, and an energy carried over. And I just kind of utilised that energy and put myself forward for the role of general secretary. I got in touch with Per Anders, the president, and um because you've got to work closer with the president and he, he said he'd be absolutely delighted to have me come on board. Uh, and then, um, so I put myself in there and then you have to get elected 
you have to get voted in by the Global Executive Committee, which consists of around 12 to 16 members at any one point from all over the world. And they sort of took a, um, almost like a standing vote at an executive committee meeting, which is always quite nervy times because you sat in the room and people have to vote on you. And um, got voted in, um, but it was from that point, uh, sort of came in and really helped to restructure things and help to get uh, the organisation through a transitional period onto that next level of being an international sort of humanitarian organisation. Um, that's absolutely fantastic, Jason. But even yeah. touching back on yourself, aside from Tanisha, <laughs> where did this love for football begin? Would you say growing up you were just your average kid scoring goals at Wembley in the back garden? Or did yes. you firmly believe <laughs> or did you firmly believe strange thing to say, albeit at a younger age, that you wanted to have a higher purpose when it came to football, using it perhaps as a tool for something oh, better. Oh, that is, uh, it's both. It's both. Uh, I grew up um, uh, where um, it's it pretty, it's tough, it's tough times. It was tough times, economically, socially, um, you know, there wasn't, um, if you like, much money around. The, the um, where I grew up in West Yorkshire, in Pontefract in West Yorkshire, as a as a strong sort of mining community, and in the early eighties there was a lot of trouble around that, and we got caught up in all that. So uh, you know, it sort of you found yourself sort of cast aside and at the back end of a of a of a social social spectrum, if you like. But we were just cast at the back. It gives you a lot of time to think, and there's a, there's a lot of love in these places, but there's not a lot else. So you have a lot. So you have a lot of time to work things out. So I used to, we you used to play in the street. You used to play football in the street. There was a playing field across the road, and you used to, like the, the estate where we grew up, you used to play like the, um, like the, the the street on the other side of that field, which was you used to call it like the posh street, you know, and you'd all meet on the field, and it'd be like thirty aside. And you'd just play football all day and then you'd just go home and have your tea and, you know, and stuff like that. I used to practice, like playing, uh, like you say, playing, <laughs> thinking you're playing at Wembley in your garden. I used to, you know, you used to play Wally just off the side of your house, probably much uh, to the uh, annoyance of my mother and father, um, just for days on end. But I was actually, it's quite, it was actually quite confusing because I there was no one that played football in my family. And it was just sort of one of those street game aspects as far as I was aware. But I was born with an overwhelming sense that I would play a role in football. Um, that I can only describe as, um, it, it felt like I, I was going to be massive in football. And that's not to say that I've, got, I've reached those goals. But it was um, it was quite uh, it was quite overwhelming at the time. But I, I had to try and work that out somehow. It was uh, it was pretty tough. I remember I actually remember getting my first pair of football boots that my granddad brought round for me, and I didn't even really know what playing in a team was. I, I had absolutely I didn't have a clue. <laughs> I, I actually played out in the street in them, <laughs> you know. Uh, so. Yeah, you, you kind of had all these sort of emotions running through your mind. 
um, confidence levels are never quite high in these situations. And, you know, you sort of get locked into uh, certain paradigms and thinking. And these are hardworking people as well. So, you know, you, you kind of expected, to, certainly in my household, you were expected to sort of um, go to work, work hard, work things out, which, you know, you were always expected to work things out. I think that was the, probably the greatest gift I was ever given and the opportunity that, you know, and what was expected of you. So not really getting involved in a team. I think the first, the first youth team I ever got involved in, it didn't really go very far and it didn't really come to much. But it was it was that football club that charged. They, they did a football trip and they took us from West Yorkshire. They took us to Old Trafford to watch Manchester. Took us to a Manchester United game to watch Manchester City, and they charged you three pound fifty for the privilege. And that was your travel um, uh, to get you into the game. <clears throat> and they and they must have been 1989, 1990. Well, well, we can do the history because Ryan Giggs, a, the, everyone was talking about this young lad called Ryan Giggs. Um, he's making his debut at 16 and he came on and scored an equalising goal against Manchester City. And who was to know where that was to lead to, you know, uh, with what Ryan Giggs actually pulled out of the bag. Uh, so that was, uh, I suppose, my first sort of major, major sort of football memory. But other than that, it, it didn't really go anywhere. It just went nowhere. But the, the overwhelming sense that I, I had a part to play in football at some level um, sort of stuck with me. And by the time I got to 1920, by this point, you know, I got apprenticeships and I was working, at, I, was, I don't know, bricklaying apprenticeship in construction, but it just never left me. It absolutely never left me. And it, it was actually becoming detrimental to my own health that I wasn't either accepting this sort of purpose or I wasn't really dealing with it. And, um, and I just made a decision of when I was about 1920 that I really needed to start working on it. I, I looked at football and there used to be lots of questions around like the, why, why could England, why was England rubbish at penalties? That was a big question back when I was growing up. And, you know, England used to lose on penalties, it seemed a lot. And I used to think, well, why are we rubbish at penalties? Why is it that no one is practicing penalties? That's the only thing that was in my mind, you know. Uh, so I thought, what I'll do, it seemed to me that no one was working around the outside of football. It just seemed you either played football or you talked about football, but no one seemed to work on the outsides and, and, and work things out. So I thought, I'll do that. I, thought, I actually made the decision, I'll, I'll take 20 years to really work on the outside of all of that. And somehow that'll come into play. And pretty much 20 years to that day, I joined Conifa after grassroots coaching and freestyle football and stuff, you know. But yeah, that's when it really came into its own. It's a pretty incredible so journey. I have though, to say that through. Say that again, sorry. It's a pretty incredible journey, really, when you speak about it, um, having this greater purpose within you to work inside of football, be it at a younger age playing. Yeah. As you approach your late teens, then that moves into coaching capacity, administrative. And 
just in terms of kind of the whole holistic package, you know, you speak about figuring things out. It's more or less the mindset, having that abundance mindset, knowing yeah. that you're made for something greater and trying to work your way through it by experimenting largely. Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that, actually. I would absolutely agree with that. Those things, there's, a, there's just so much you don't, there's so much you don't know that you don't know. And, and you just have to start. You've got to start. And you've got to, I think, just faith in that there is something there. And yeah, you just got to see it through. I mean, really, it was, I was surrounded by a lot of Leeds United fans, really passionate Leeds United fans. And, um, and that's really where it sort of started. You know, I thought, let's work on why people are so passionate. What, what drives them to, to follow a team across Europe and why they're so revered as a, as a fan base and, and why is it then when you realise that these people are not just on your doorstep, but there's a fan base that spreads all over the world. And, you know, it's the same for, for major clubs, it's the same for countries and it's the same for, you know, everything I see now, I, I get people emailing me for, you know, badges for obscure teams that, you, you know, you, you sometimes wonder if people even realise that they're there. So, yeah, that was um, that, that was like a, a, a sort of real start of that journey, I would say. But, but yeah, it's the working things out. Uh, I seem to have that kind of drive and brain. You know, I just I just don't want to waste the 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 sort of the way that we can work. Um, just don't want to waste that. If that makes sense, you know. Oh, it totally does. You just got to be able to utilize yourself and put yourself forward. It takes a lot of doing. <laughs> it takes a lot of doing when there's no one there to show you. You know, yeah. But in a way, it's, you, have it's, to, you have to show yourself, Connor. I think, don't you? Of course. But in a way, it's like paving a new road, new path, so to speak. Which yeah. obviously Kanifa, since its inception seven, eight years yeah. ago, has exactly done that. Have you found? from your own experience within the organisation to date and even looking from the outside in, that there are people who have had similar journeys to your, as to yourself in terms of working things out. Of course, you know, that's not a question to be taken likely, given no. you have people from Eastern Europe, the likes of Crimea, Donetsk, people from marginalised communities coming out of civil war. Oh, yeah. And, you know, of course, getting involved in an organization such as Kanifa is for more larger purpose. Would yeah. you say if there was one thing which would unify all the members of Kanifa by what would that one thing be? Oh, passion for who we are. You know, it's a fighting spirit. Um, yeah, I think that is the underlying factor for anyone that wants to really represent themselves, I think that has to exist. Um, yeah, I actually think I think that's what I, I think. If you if you touch on it, I think that's what comes first. Um, you know, who puts themselves forward? Who who are those people that represent themselves first and foremost and starts paving away? Um, <clears throat> it's people of action. Um, you know. Uh, you know the samurais and warriors of this world 
that sort of one percent mentality where someone actually decides to step up and say, "Well, we need to, we need to put ourselves forward, and we need, we need to be, we need to represent our our fight, or just what we really love, or what we believe in, or what we feel is right, and all these sort of little notions." But ultimately, you, you know, it's people of action, and you know, samurai and warrior. These these words all derive from that one. That, that that one understanding that these you know samurai just simply means a person of action and that's that's really that's what it's all about and I think when you know you sort of touching on um you know is it you know that are people's stories all similar I think anyone that is doing anything that they are you know really passionate about and feel like they're driven to do are all a similar inclination I think you know but it's just that it's just that real drive to to be yourself yeah and and we've all we all have a life purpose we all have a soul purpose or a soul mission whatever and some people are just in that right time where they they feel that it's now time to sort of see that through properly and and break out so I think Conifa is actually in its truest sense um, a portal for that, you and know. Then, so I think for as a whole is as a completely volunteer organisation, and I don't think you put yourself in for what we go through um, lightly, as none of us do, Connor. You know, I mean, you're you're a man that's pushed himself. You know, I look I, I look down through your CV and just on the back of your education alone, it's in, it's I find it absolutely phenomenal what you've put yourself through. And then obviously you've taken yourself off to Dubai and now you just become operations manager with one of the greatest club organisations in the world. (laughs) So these things don't happen lightly, mate. They really don't. Yeah. But um, you speak about being a man of action and then certainly you've embodied that at a global level with Kanifa. But also if we were to look at it locally, you're on the board of the Kernow FA. Now, yeah. even from the attire you have today, you are wearing the Cornwall badge on your suit. Now, That's right. Take us inside exactly what a Kernow FA board meeting looks like, given what we spoke about last time. Um, <laughs> uh, a public house. <laughs> uh, no, it's um, it's actually it's just a, it's just a great knock-on effect, um, in a way of Conifa, but also. You know, you know, so it's a nice middle meeting ground from those that are just pure football people of Cornwall, um, and then pure football people of Conifa. And for us, it's it's that perfect blend. So we're, you know, we're extremely fortunate that I think within Kernow FA there's about seventeen people. We don't really call it a board. It's more of a. It's more of a more of a collective I would say you know because you only attract these people and we've all got titles but we all just feel that we're all our own people just as much uh, in any sense and um, it's completely democratic everyone's opinion really matters Um, and it's a really fun place to be actually really fun place to be there's people there that so I co-founded it with a guy called Andrew Bragg who is a lifetime bowler, he's 59 this year. So he's 
been kicking a ball for what nearly 60 years he's you've played all through his youth then he managed then he's coached and he coached for 30 years and the, some of the lads in the Colonel FA team were in his youth setup although they're you know coming into late 30s now the, there's managers out there that have been through his youth setup so you know without the likes of Andrew these things don't exist but Tom Howe, who's now global business, sorry, global media director for Conifa, actually helped to start telling the story locally um, before we'd even got started. He was in the World Cup final with me and uh, it was at the semi-finals. It's just phenomenal who we've attracted and, and what it really means. Geographically, Cornwall is a... Um, extremely difficult it's got an incredible footballing infrastructure and Cornwall FA uh, do an excellent job in maintaining that an excellent youth setup but you know so what we provide is what they don't do and you know in, in terms of international and then we don't get in the way of the domestic stuff uh, and we kind of work together you know so like I say it's just, we'll just put we'll just put someone in place that's that uh, Cornwall needs but that's kind of it, really, and it just seems to attracted uh, some very beautiful and passionate people. That means that we've been able to go forward. So I mean, now we've got. So we started with the men's because that's just what we knew, but now we've got um, women's team that's due to have its first trials and open games in about three weeks' time, and we've got an inclusive football team as well. Uh, and once we've sort of started digging into this, the people that have come out. Not out of the woodwork, it's just already there. And they're just, they actually now can't believe the opportunity that they'll have to be on the world stage. And I can't believe the opportunity that um, I've got to work with these incredible people. So, yeah, it's, it's great. It's really great. But everyone seems to have a good, strong sort of winning mentality. And, 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 and they actually really, they're just naturally like that. So, you know, kind of bless them. You know, you get to be surrounded by those people. Really. Yeah. I think Darren Gilbert, the manager, I think he's top 15 in, in win rate in all managers in English football ever. It's phenomenal. It's honestly it's phenomenal. I, I mean, ever. Uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and that's just as a manager, I think as a player, he'd won everything down here. So you've got a really good hardcore footballing fraternity down there that just, it's just nice for them to be able to represent themselves, especially as a people, because there's nothing more prouder than a, a Cornish person representing its nation, you know. Exactly. Uh, so that, and for me, it's just about being respectful of the land. You know, I've lived down here for nearly 20 years. And it's uh, it, the, the idea of that sort of giving back. You know, at the end of the day, you, you've been accepted and been allowed to live your life. I think you should pay respect to that. And I think what rings true, certainly what you said there, is there's that famous quote, the strength of the organisation is its very own people. And I think what? what you said earlier on, you know, these people weren't exactly coming out of the woodwork they were already there. It's, so it's just giving them a platform, really. But then yeah. in terms of what's already there in Europe, you have the likes of Cornwall, you have Yorkshire, you have Crimea, yeah. Greenland, 
North America, you have Quebec, Cascadia, Oceania, you even have Hawaii. I mean, to the best of your knowledge, perhaps, could you share some light on some of the, I suppose, most heartwarming stories you've heard of these communities? Everyone's got their own story. That's the beauty of Kanifa. We could genuinely sit here all day talking about one team. Uh, heartwarming stories. I think um, I've ha- I think like the heartwarming side is when people you know that they're representing what they're representing, and you know the the fight behind that scene is 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 quite arduous at times and absolutely diabolical in in terms of humanitarian. Um, uh, how can I phrase this? And by diabolical, I mean that there's a, there's a, there's atrocities that are getting carried out within this within the world that um, shouldn't be happening. And um, you know, and, and when you see that they, some of these people actually get to get the ball on the floor, regardless of where they've come from, and uh, and put themselves out there, that that's the sort of heartwarming side, you know, because these people. Uh, as passionate about playing football as they are about as representing people, and uh, and 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 I, and, I, and I think there's nothing greater than seeing people in adversity where, you know, you know that they're pushing through and it, um, they're really just taking life on. You know, and I, I really admire that, and I really respect that, and that's kind of a, like a driving force for for what for for everyone that's involved in Conifa. Um, but you know, so. That's the heartwarming stuff. Um, it's kind of hard to touch on a, a you know, a kind of heartwarming moment without, uh, I mean, really, the tournament. It's a tough one, you know, I mean, like 2018, say, we just go back to 2018, you've got a World Cup in London, it's the first time that Conif has ever done an independent World Cup, and we'd all sort of pulled together and made this happen and then you you know you've got teams coming from as far away as, as Tuvalu you know they've done 25,000 kilometers and um, and then you've got Tibet in there and you know that Tibet get hounded out all over the world by the Chinese government and they that they they can't even get friendlies and the, well, there was a, a few times during the, the run-up to that tournament where we were really quite, in a way, quite desperate for money because we just didn't quite have enough to, to really put the tournament on and we, we had to be really creative in how we were going to approach it and pull it off. And, um, you know, there was a few times we were at the table putting ink on paper with regards to sponsorship packages. And... You know, said companies would say, look, we're, we're more than happy with all of this, but, um, you know, we, 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 it'd, be much, it'd be easier for us if Tibet don't play. And you're like, what, well, what are you talking about? Um, you know, you sort of go through these little motions. Uh, and it's just then a case of, well, Tibet playing. That's it. So then that's did that deal off. So... The, the heartwarming moments is when people actually stick to the guns and, and, and really put themselves out there for what you've really say you're doing. 
and that's what I like about Conifa. And then to be, get to play, that you know, you've got heartwarming moments like that. And then Capitalia, for instance, came in as a um, uh, not a wildcat, but they came into someone couldn't make the tournament, and Capitalia come in uh, at, at the last minute and win the tournament, playing some of the, some of the best football I've ever witnessed. You know, it was like, it was just like pure Jimmy Hogan style football. And I was just, I was just, I just remember stood there watching it thinking, oh, this is incredible. I've been trying to, you know, I've been coaching this sort of mentality and philosophy. It was, it was straight, it could have been out of Barcelona's academy, it could have been out of Ajax's academy, it could have been from a Brazil training ground. It was just, honestly, it was, it was beautiful to watch. And they just had that, they just had that pure spirit. They were just they were just taking all the chances, and they were just sort of swept through the tournament. And their player actually, the 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 player of the tournament, I put him in for player of the tournament, and it was their goalkeeper. And you should have seen him. He wasn't the biggest keeper, but he read the game. It was his goal line saves. It was the last minute saves. It was his distribution. It was his contribution to the game. He saved three penalties in a final. Do you know what I mean? It was just phenomenal. So um, you get heartwarming stories like that, I suppose, mate, you know, um, and, and just providing that platform. You know, the Capitale went back, I think, um, you know, they're, they're going back to sort of Ukraine um, uh, and they're getting trouble with the authorities, uh, you know, representing the people over the state and these sorts of notions. So... You know, you have the heartwarming side and then Conifa always, you know, you go through the motions with Conifa and you'll achieve one thing and then literally straight in the side comes comes a massive tackle, studs up everything, you know, and sends people flying. So you've got to be able to cope with that sort of juggernaut of that sort of geopolitics that comes to the table. Um uh, You know, so that, you know, but then people just seem to absorb it and deal with it. So heartwarming, there's a lot of heartwarming, but I think the heartwarming comes from that sort of, that sort of solid, solidarity, if that makes sense, you know, from, from knowing what you, your position in the world. Yeah, I think that's, that's sort of the heartwarming side. I think it's just really, as we touched upon earlier on, as regards Kanifa with the mission statement, that certainly like attracts like. And if anything else, Kniefe as a platform is just filtered out. Kind of all the fatty bits that aren't really, you know, needed in these football administrations. I mean, mm. I think it's absolutely tremendous what you spoke about earlier on saying that these people, they didn't come out of the woodwork. All they needed really was just a platform. Right. Coexist along with each other and share ideas right across the world even yeah. just being in touch with um, the guys down in Africa, Miriam and Christian recently. They're fantastic yeah. people doing, you know, God's work down there, so to speak. And yeah. then I suppose you speak about also studs up tackles. There is no, <laughs> there's no worse tackle than, of course, COVID last year with last yeah. summer's uh, men's European Championships in North Macedonia postponed. However, yeah. this summer we do have the Women's World Cup how were preparations um, for that, Jason? Uh, well, unfortunately, preparations were going well and, you know, put everything together. But 
they decided um, just over the last 48 hours that um, the, the tournament, they're going to put it back till 2022. Um, it's in line with the sort of football clubs that we're working with in Shepherdland. Uh, in and around the same area in Romania, they're looking to host, I think, the UEFA Under-19s tournament, which has also been put back till next year. So we just sort of had to sort of draw a breath on that one. Um, uh, you know, the, it was pretty. It was a there was a phenomenal uptake for those wanting to participate. Um, not everyone could, you know, um, that you know, a couple of disgruntled sort of members, but you know, that's the passion. Uh, so you know, in terms of that sort of preparation, now it um, it just moves back uh, twelve months. I think it gives it more time. I think actually, for the benefit of the women's game, for those members, I think it'll be. I think it'll be um, uh, a much bigger tournament now. It was going to be eight teams. It's looking at twelve or sixteen, such as the growth of the sort of women's team within the members. Uh, so I think uh, just waiting that year out and giving it that time uh, uh, a bit more beneficial. And I think um, you know coming out of this pandemic. Uh, restrictions and such like I think let's let it all settle down um, everyone get back to the feet Every, you know all the players are hungry that's that, that's never in doubt but I think um, I think people just need time to get back to a little bit of normality and, uh, and then look forward to a major football tournament next year so you know it's, it's the right decision and you've got you've got to you've got to go with what's um, you know the uh, government or organisations are, are saying and, and be um, be responsible. And then going forward, Jason, with Kanifa, yeah, that is the plan. Where do you see the organisation in 10, 20 years' time? Well, it'll still, I think it'll still be here. I, I would like to see it. Um, well, there's, there's quite a few things I would like to see, you know, um, development on the continents. So we've worked extraordinarily hard over, over the last few years, but in, certainly over the last year, uh, the development on the continents um, with presidents and committees um, working closer with government organisations and making sure that that's the, the, the growth that has happened over the last 12 months. Um, doesn't grow, outgrow itself so that it, it's, um, it's too thin, uh, that there's strength in depth and that uh, people, you know, the, the, the sort of mentality and, the, and the, the attraction remains as strong as it is now. Um, uh, 20 years, you know, Nobel Peace Prize winning global humanitarian organisation, um, a solid place in the world, uh, I, I would like to see some stronger partnerships. Um, I would like to see active partnerships. So, say if we're working down um, with Barotsiland, uh, with Christian, um, we're opening up some sort of facilities. Um, we're looking to provide facilities and such like an opportunity on the ground there. It would be nice if we'd been working with a, a partnership, say, who are providing, um, let's just say, a, a solar power, a company that provides solar power where we've maybe been able to put um, floodlights in, uh, shower facilities and, 
maybe hot running water, hot running cold water for that matter. Uh, but you know, there's a, a free energy element to it that means that the communities thrive and, and football is integral to that community. Um, I, I'd like to just see that that sort of growth, you know, so that the community, it, it's, you know, it, it can't be about survival all the time. You know, as, as um, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton says, you know, let's, let's talk thrival. Let's talk about thriving communities, not just survival. Um, it will be, so it would be nice to sort of keep edging away from that sort of mentality, edging away from a victim mentality. Yeah, you, you can come to the table, you might be a victim in terms of some sort of socioeconomic um, upheaval, but it doesn't mean you have to carry that mentality over. You know, that, that's, that's your choice. You know, what we, what we want, you know, it's about opportunity then. Um, so I'd like to just see that that sort of, um, that sort of, uh, sort of mindset and paradigms and, and, and is what's, um, what's available to people and people can pick up on so that we can just keep, we can grow out from that core and really, uh, you know, bring that sort of, um, that belief and, uh, in, in, you know, faith in yourself. You know, we can't just keep pandering around on, on, on whims of hope. So, um, so I think, you know, for that, uh, and just a greater recognition, a more solid platform, I think at some point the organisation will have to become professional to a degree. Um, you know, people will have to start getting wages, I feel, for the, for the time that they put in. It's an extraordinary workload. When you... When you uh, um, when you've got a representative, a, a population representative of 675 million as we speak, that is an extraordinary workload. It is, it is phenomenal. The people that operate within the bounds of CONIFA, just within the Global Executive Committee and alone, I find it staggering what people uh, not not just what people are capable of uh, which i think you know you have to look at every day and you know and it's completely inspired but you know people are doing full-time jobs on top of full-time jobs so it would be nice to see um people getting that sort of recompense and then being able to commit more wholeheartedly to that and um and stuff like that so yeah that, I think those sort of things are nice. And then I'd just like to see the growth within the members that exist already, um, making sure that, you know, that they can still exist and be representative of, of all that's been before and all that they want to achieve and, and really sort of look after that cultural identity. You know, I think that's just hugely important. I really do. And I think that, I think, like, that... That's what humanity is, I suppose. You know, just making sure that there's access, people have got access to people. Yeah, and we're all, we we can just communicate. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think, you know, on a personal note, Jason, it's absolutely tremendous. Not only the work, what you do at Kniefer, mm. but absolutely everybody involved in the organization. Because, yeah. you know, you speak about representing, you know, 675 million people worldwide. But yeah. they're all unified in a way by the same voice. And when you have so yeah. many like-minded people from 
six, seven continents all over the world working towards a single outcome, I think, you know, great things are bound to happen, be it 10, yeah. 15, 20 years time. I think the actual success of Kniefer looking from the outside in is not actually reaching an end point or an end goal. It's more or less, no. you would agree, in the actual doing, in the actual project itself of the actual yeah. you know, existence of the organization. But yeah, should, yeah should, I think, um, should people wish to engage and learn more about Kniefer and its plans going forward, where is best to look online, Jason? Well, go to the website. There's uh, there's email access from the website. You can go to any social media platform and just um, ask a question. You know, and I, you know, I get emails. I get emails all the time, um, as we all do. Uh, it's very open. You know, it's an open door policy. Uh, we don't turn people away. Yeah, you know, you've got to you've got to put yourself forward. Uh, and you've got to, and you've got to, and you've got to be open to speaking. You know, it's like us engaging now. It's like um, uh, I, I'm not massive on social media. I've actually trimmed off a little bit, and I've actually just gone to using LinkedIn only now. Uh, but I found it as a, a really great portal for those that are looking to do, um, looking to really get on with what they want to get on with. Um, and seem to, you know, I seem to come across a lot of people that are able to find that opportunity to extend their understanding through Conifa, which is always nice. Uh, I did. There's things I just didn't know I needed to know um, that I've absolutely found through putting myself forward through the organisation, you know, that... and. You are, you come in and you've got a responsibility to yourself, and if you say you're going to do something, you've got to. You, it's up to you to do it, and you'll get the support from everyone around you, and everyone will sort of really commit to you know helping you make things happen. But um, you've got to put yourself out there. You'll get backed for doing what you want to do, you know. So if that's what's up people's street, and that's where they want to find themselves, uh, and just simply get in touch. But don't just come in waiting to be told what to do, <laughs> you know, bring something to the table and, and be open and, and, you know, and just express yourself, uh, you know, that it might work on this occasion. It might not work. It might just be great to have made an acquaintance and, and follow each other uh, and, and try and find a little place for yourself. But there's, you know, we can't just uh, sort of take everybody on and put arms around everyone and stuff like that. One is, the, the energy it takes to do that um, uh, is too much and ultimately um, you know it's a, the organization doesn't drive itself on, on that so so you know if it, if it is that you you feel like you've got something to do in the world and you feel like you've got you, you could do it for us and just get in touch no problem no problem um, and that's pretty much how it runs itself it's quite an organic operation in that sense you know and then no one's perfect and everyone's looking to learn so i think for that as well it's uh, uh it's just a good place to be mate. it's a good place to be there's good harmony um uh yeah and a good level of understanding fantastic um i'll be sure yeah. to link both the website and your linkedin profile below jason 
Yeah, yeah. that's excellent. You know, every time I speak with you, I get a lot of value out of the conversation anyways. Absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast finally. And yeah. Must get you on again in the future. But Jason, pleasure as always speaking with you. Tottenham. Um, thank you very much indeed, Connor. And um, all the best with this podcast series that you're doing and, and the career that you've forged for yourself because uh, it doesn't come easy. It does not come easy. So massive respect to you for the work that you've carried out and that you continue to do. I very much look forward to the rest of the series. And as you know, um, we'll make this a collaborative effort and we'll do our utmost to make sure that the, the reach for the work that you're doing uh, is as far extending as we possibly can. So I wish you all the best. Thank you for the nice words, Jason. Much appreciated. Right. It's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure, Connor. Have a great day. Thank you.